You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I am the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, Candace and Cher continue a four-part series discussing rupture and repair in our most meaningful relationships. Today's topic will look at why it's important to regulate our emotions before we are able to have repair and healing. When relational ruptures continue without real healing, wounds become messages about who we and others are that make it difficult to have satisfying and safe relationships. Healing childhood wounds is the way we learn to work through the ruptures we have in relationships today. Hi, Cher. Hey, Candice. How are you doing today? Doing great. Part two. Part two. (laughs) We are on part two. So if you haven't listened to part one of a four-part series that we're doing right now, we are looking at rupture and repair in relationships. And last week, and we've added some components to that, that we felt were needed to better explain like what's happening, not just in the situation, but in our bodies, in our emotions, in our perceptions, in our beliefs, when we feel like there's disconnection in relationship. So last week we talked about what is rupture. You gave our listeners a glimpse of what it looks like to be in a healthy, satisfying relationship and maybe what it looks like to be in an unhealthy, dissatisfying relationship. And I just wanted to mention that you really asked a couple good questions at the end of our last episode that can help listeners maybe identify where they're at on that, which I think is going to be very important to move forward in listening to the, the remainder of our episodes on rupture and repair. But today we're going to look at regulation. What is regulation when it comes to when there's been a rupture, when we feel like there's starting to be a disconnection or maybe we're mad at somebody or somebody else is mad at us, maybe just something feels off. What happens for us in our bodies, in our thoughts? What do we do and why do we do that? It's so good. And and I'm thinking about a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we talked about the window of tolerance. Mm. Again, the spectrum of from one to 10 of hypo arousal being the lower. And when we move toward hypo arousal, we everything slows down Mm -hmm. versus when we get up into the eight, nine, 10 hyper arousal, when everything gets ramped up. And that can really be our body, sensations in our body, it can also be the sensations of our emotions. So when we think about rupture and oh, and I wanted to just back up to and I wanted to name the four R's that we're going to be talking about in this series. Good idea. So we talked last week about rupture. Today, we are going to talk about regulation. Next week, we will talk about repair and then reconnect. So these are the four R's that we are bringing into this topic that we're talking about here. So today we're talking about regulate. And so when we get dysregulated, we move up or down the scale on the window of tolerance. What did you do, Candice? What happens to you when there's rupture? Do you go, where do you go? And what might that look like in your body and and in in your emotions? And particularly... Or maybe I'll even say now and when you were a kid, if mm-hmm. if it's changed. Yeah. Before I answer that question, I, I do want to say that 
we're talking about this in the context, and, and I believe there, there can be no real repair until we regulate. Because if we're in a dysregulated state, we, we don't even have the full function of our brain. <laughs> the reason why we're looking at regulate after rupture is that is the next step in being able to move towards repair. So like as a child, whenever I, you know, I said this in our last episode, a little child isn't going to say, oh, I feel unsafe or I'm dysregulated. A child is going to have some kind of physiological reaction of fear or maybe somatic reaction with a stomach ache or headaches or something. But for me, I have lots of memories of when I felt dysregulated or I would go to hyper arousal, high stress. I would typically go run, get on my bike. I didn't know that this is what I was doing in the way that it was soothing me, but there was always a level of intensity of what I was doing with my body. I remember my mom put me in baton, twirling the baton. And sometimes I, you know, looking back, I kind of laugh about it because sometimes I would be like twirling that baton like none other. <laughs> and I, I realized that there, there was some regulation going on for me when I was able to move my body. What, yeah. did that, what did that look like for you as a child? It's interesting because a person who moves toward hyper arousal, it's pretty easy to see when that's mm -hmm. happening. I think the person who moves toward hypo arousal can really be missed because mm -hmm. what I would do typically is I would just wander off by myself, mm -hmm. um, either to my room or like you said, out in nature, climb a tree or maybe be on my bike, but probably not in a way of needing to burn off excess energy as much as I'm numbing out, I'm, sh I'm shutting down, I'm, I'm floating away, literally. Mm. And so I think I got missed a lot because nobody even noticed, right? Like I wasn't making a scene, I wasn't being a problem. And so I think with hypo arousal probably often does come the avoidant attachment style because I could just wander off and be by myself. And I'm not sure that it regulated me, though. It, it just left me in places of hypo arousal. Yeah, that's what I did. I got quiet. I went alone to places where I was alone and where I could disintegrate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I, I like what you're naming that you're saying. I don't know if it regulated me, but I, I still think there was some level that you were trying to find safety. Oh, for sure. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As an adult, you know, we can maybe look back at our childhood and possibly identify ways that, that we were trying to find safety and security, right? Yeah. But as an adult, what that looks like now is going to look different, right? But yet it's still coming from this place of dysregulation of either being hyper aroused or hypo aroused. Yeah. And like I have said in our story group, sometimes when people get dysregulated, they need space, right? Give me a little bit of time. I need to think this through, you know, and I have said, hunt me down, <laughs> come <laughs> after me, like, don't let me wander off and just fade away. And so that, yeah, that's what I need to. And I guess you're right. Like, I think those things did help me regulate, but it didn't bring repair. The there rupture was still there. I, I, I went away. I was able to get regulated. 
by myself, but it didn't actually bring me into the places of repair yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that is one of the components of avoidant attachment is that you become self-reliant. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what you did. I know for me, and I've named this before, coming through with attachment wounds of leaning towards more disorganized attachment. It makes more sense to me now, but, you know, I would get that anxiety. And so I think that's where that energy came, right? That panic, that energy. And then there were times that it was, I would want to avoid. So the capacity to flow in and out of that has been my journey of healing as an adult and looking at my relationships Mm -hmm. of, oh, I'm feeling a little anxiety here and being curious of what's happening. Where's my fear? Where am I not feeling safe? Or I do deal with, I'm out of here. I'm done. I have to navigate what that disorganized attachment looks like. So we did what we did as kids. If, if, if our, if the adults in our world didn't see us and help us regulate, we found ways to do it. Mm -hmm. And then we carried those patterns into our adult years and into our adult relationships. So that's where we are today, right? And sometimes our attachment styles and our ways of regulating our arousal, they don't help bring us into relationships where we feel those high levels of satisfaction, where there's love and connection and a sense of really knowing one another and being able to be open and offer care, right? If we avoid conflict or avoid honesty when there is hurt or when there is rupture, if we avoid, and you know, my big three that I feel like I I did my throughout my life is hide, pretend, and perform. So I would hide that I was hurt. I would pretend that everything was okay, and I would do my best to act like everything was okay. But it's all in the name of avoiding speaking the truth, so that we can move toward bringing care where care is needed. Mm-hmm. And I think. For people who avoid, for myself, and I think this is probably a really common hallmark, the loneliness is just so deep and has been one of the things that I have struggled with so much in my life is just feeling really lonely. And part of that is because when I felt like there was conflict, I completely lost my voice. I just could not move toward it. So then then living in that space of pretending is well, hard. Yeah, because as a child, you actually couldn't use your voice. And so it sent you into isolation. And that did become your safe place. And I want to say, you know, when you think about, okay, we're talking about regulation. Before we can repair, we have to bring ourselves into a regulated state. And on that window of tolerance, it's between four and seven. It's when our prefrontal cortex and our limbic brain are both integrated. They're they're operating together. I'm thinking clearly. I'm not void of emotion, but my emotions aren't taking over. And so I want to say that we learn how to cope. And yes, coping will regulate us, but it doesn't heal us. Right. Okay. So we learn to cope as children in a way that we could breathe and bring some level of 
safety, right? Yeah. But then as we get to be adults, those coping behaviors can become problematic. And like you said, my coping behaviors were more obvious being a wild child. (laughs) Your coping behaviors weren't as more obvious, but they were still coping behaviors that, that did not serve you in your adult relationships. No, exactly. Have not served me. And, you know, I think it's, it's coming back again to, we want relationships that are very satisfying and full of love and goodness. And if we, if we, if, if we can cope and get regulated so that we can be present, that is a helpful step. It's not enough because it doesn't bring us through the situation and help us find the repair, but we can't move toward repair until we have the regulation. Because if I'm shut down or you are frantic, repair is not going to happen in that moment. So the regulation is really important. And we've talked so much about this, about the value of being seen, soothed, safe, and secure, and how beautiful that is when that comes from another person, but how also beautiful it is when we can offer that to our own selves and how tragic it is in a sense when as little children we had to offer it to ourselves and yet how good it was that we could that dysregulated state like you said you know if if we if we don't grab onto the resources that work for us to regulate we definitely can't move towards repair and oftentimes it actually causes more hurt If you stay shut down and I stay anxious and reactive or impulsive, we're going to pile more on. And so that's why I had to work with someone to do this initially. I didn't even realize when I was getting dysregulated in the ways that I would get dysregulated because my dysregulation and coping behaviors, I had an arsenal. I mean, I I had the big three, but then I learned to kind of power up and be very productive, be very busy, start new things. And there again, it's kind of like what you said, a lot of those things look very acceptable in society until I had really good eyes and really good ears and a very tender, kind voice move into me move closer to me in that space, I don't think I would have ever seen it myself in the way that I do now. Yeah. I'm just thinking about that truth that we are wounded in community and we heal in community and how really powerful the voice is of someone being able to see you well and offer soothing and care in that moment. I have a question that I'm just curious if you could name your top three resources to regulate what what would those be for you today i would say journaling is huge for me if i can sit down and start writing that really brings my prefrontal cortex back online mm-hmm. and gives me space to allow the sensations in my body to come to a place where i feel like i can tolerate it mm-hmm. and begin to move toward it. So journaling is is a huge one for me. I think another one is talking with a friend or with somebody who can hold the situation, who who can really help, you know, me stay in the focus and 
someone who will be curious and really help draw me out. Because if I can process out loud, hey, processing, if I can process my trauma out loud, (laughs) (laughs) yes. It's really, it's so effective for me though, because I discover a lot as I am forming the way that I want to explain it to someone else. Those are two top ones. Uh, Give me time to think about my third one, but how about you? What are some things that you feel help you? I know one of your third ones. (laughs) Okay. What's one of my third ones? Well, I do think that I've just noticed sometimes you going on a walk or doing yoga or something like that has been helpful for you. For sure. Yeah. We know each other well enough that we can answer each other's questions. Yep. yep. My, my top one is still really what I did as a little girl. And that was just to move my body, to go for a run, to go work out, just to be active in some way. And sometimes it's even just, you know, cleaning the house. I can't journal in that space as much. I, I've got to move. I also have to be aware Am I moving towards hyper or hypo? Now I do lean towards hyper, but there are times that I have to realize, you know, this is a time that I need to sit down and breathe and journal. And I've got to try to figure out in those moments sometimes where I'm at and what I need. So journaling has been helpful for me too. And I'm just going to say, I, I agree with you. There's just times I need to make a phone call to someone that I know that can hold whatever is happening in the situation at that moment. Yeah. That kindness and curiosity. And, you know, it's, it's this idea that we want to be able to do that for others and we need other people who can do it for us. Yeah. And we can begin to learn how to do it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Can you say a little more about that? Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of what we're talking about here, right? Like we have discovered, you know, now, like when you start to feel that anxiety, if you go out for a run, you know that that regulates you. You are seeing yourself well in that moment. You are offering your body and your soul the soothing that it needs. Same for me. If I notice that I'm dysregulated and I go and I I make the space and I sit down and and I pick up my journal or I make the phone call and I really press in and say, I've got to talk about something here. Yeah, I guess that wouldn't be for myself. That would be, but yeah, journaling. I think it's it's turning Mm -hmm. towards something that, works for me to help me move. But I want to say for you, Cher, calling someone is doing something for yourself. Yeah. Because you're not turning to isolation. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that does fit there for you. It's just finding and it, it takes a while to find. And, and there's so many other resources out there. You know, we just did our workshop just that that activity you did with our participants as a way to bring kindness, compassion, self-soothing, just yeah. to be able to do a sketch and get mm-hmm. curious. Yeah. Being curious about why am I here? What happened? Taking time. I think sometimes I'll notice that I'm dysregulated and I'm at first, I'm not even sure why, and I'll have to start tracking back. How was, how was I feeling an hour ago? How was I feeling three hours ago? Oh yeah. And then sometimes I actually have to be curious and do a little of my own detective work to find what was the thing that actually dysregulated me. Mm -hmm. That is super helpful too. This is just so serious for anyone that is wondering, is this just how life is? Like I, I remember at times 
just really struggling with, is it always going to be this way? Is it always going to be this hard? And I want to say that when you do come to terms that you've experienced trauma in childhood, and for both of us, complex childhood trauma, it does feel heavy in the beginning. It does feel like sometimes it can get worse, but I don't know. I think the longer you stick with it and the more you understand this isn't about dishonoring and shaming your parents and working through all the complexity of that, which is very common for all of us to go through. Like, can I name the truth and still honor my parents? Maybe not respect. That's a whole nother episode, the difference between respect and honor. But once we kind of give ourselves permission to just let this process and this journey take us to where the spirit is leading us, yeah, we start to see, oh, wow, there's purpose and meaning in this. And life isn't always going to be the same. Yeah. And if we heal those wounds, if we find, if we do the work and we discover the wounds from our childhood, we bring care to that. We, we learn how to soothe and regulate our body. It throws the door open for our relationships with the significant people in our life today to be good and loving and meaningful and rich. And that's why we do it. It's, it's, there's no other reason except for being able to really embrace all of the goodness that we can have in our lives now. That's so true. I, I love being on this journey with you. Yeah. And me too. Our, our story group sisters. And you know what? Other people that we are meeting and our listeners. Connected. Yeah, our listeners and our children and our grandchildren and our spouses. And it just, the word that's coming to my mind is flourishing. Yeah. Seeing what flourishing in life really does look like where we're not hiding and pretending and performing and, you know, not being perfect, not having moments that you may even fall down, but being able to get back up quicker and understand, you know, what happened. And it, it's just been, Wonderful. Yeah, so good. So I want to leave a question with our listeners. Last week we talked about rupture, and today we talked about regulating. And so I really want our listeners to ponder when you experienced rupture in childhood, what happened in your body? What happened in your emotions? Like, Did you move toward hyperarousal and get very anxious and feel a lot of energy or did something that caused you maybe even to get yelled at or get into more trouble? Or did you go toward hypoarousal and just get very quiet, maybe even silent, remove yourself from the room? Can you begin to see where you fall on that window of tolerance and recognize One or two stories of when did that show up when you were a child and how is what happened back then similar in some ways to what you continue to do today? Mm. Like If we can recognize this and then we can begin to learn how to bring that regulation when we get dysregulated, then we can move toward repair, which we are going to talk about next week. And I'm super excited to address that topic. So yeah, so good, Candice. Yeah, I want to say really quick, If we have a listener, listeners that are curious about doing story work, hiring a coach or finding a therapist, 
we would be happy to have that conversation with you. And you can reach out to us at CandiceShare at gmail.com. Go to Processing Trauma Out Loud on Facebook. You can connect with us there. We want to know whether you work with us. We want to help you find someone. Yeah, absolutely. Because our lives have been radically changed by this process. And that's Mm -hmm. why we're doing this work that we're doing, which I love doing with you. (laughs) Back at you, friend. Yeah. Hey, love you lots. Love you too. Good to be with you today. You too. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. Music was created by Caleb Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Story LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.